This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. I'm Andy White and I'm joined by Mark Lewis of Dyne, who is a senior account manager. Hi, Mark. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. DNS in uh, Internet Marketing. You work for Dyne. Tell us a little bit about what Dyne does. Okay, so if we look at DNS, it's not that well understood. But if I said to you 216.146.45.246, or I said Dyne.com, which of those two things is going to be easier to remember? Well, if it was me, it would be the first one because I'm a complete geek. But most 99.9% of people, the numbers would just be meaningless, wouldn't they? I know you. I knew you'd pick me up on that, Andy. <laughs> yeah, for most people, they'll often remember the name more easily than they remember a number. So if you can kind of uh, get your head around that, you're, you're most of the way there to understanding how the, the DNS system works. Mm-hmm. So anytime you use anything on the internet, whether that's visit a website, use an app, send an email, send a file, uh, you're using the domain name system. So the domain name system is essentially a big directory out there in the internet and its main feature is to map hard to remember numbers into easy to remember names Mm. so it it's a bit like a phone book so you know you take the the name that you know and uh and then the dns system gives you back the the number that maybe you can't remember now i know we're going to be talking about the effect on internet marketing in a bit, but just explain the two layers of DNS, because it's got these two layers, hasn't it? Recursive and authoritative. That's right. So when you, let's say, for example, you want to go to uh, Dine.com, but your computer's never been there before, your computer is going to ask your ISP, so your broadband provider, maybe, how do I get to Dine.com? Mm. Now, your ISP's DNS server, which is the recursive layer, says, I don't know. I've never been there before. So I'm going to go out and ask. So it goes out and asks the root servers out on the internet, where's Dine.com? Yeah. Those root servers say, I don't know where Dine.com is. Go ask the top level domain. So they'll go and ask the .com guys, where's Dine.com? Mm-hmm. The top level domain .com guys will say, I don't know. Go and ask the authoritative provider of DNS for Dine.com where Dine.com is. So if they were if Dyne was using Dyne for DNS, what we'd say is, sure, we know where Dyne.com is. It's 216.146.45.246. So then you have the answer to the question, where is Dyne.com? Mm. So we then provide for the authoritative DNS provider, we'll hand that number back to your ISP, mm. who will then pass it on to you so that your browser knows where to go and find that website. And the ISP server will hold on to that number so that if you or somebody else wants to go to Dyne.com, they already have the answer. So those are the two layers. Now, that seems like a really long-winded process of asking lots of people to finally get to the end result, which is the IP address for, for Dyne.com. Mm-hmm. But that happens in the blink of an eye. So it's milliseconds. So it's a very quick process. Now, when most people sort of create a website, you know, they, they go to Squarespace or wherever they go, um, the DNS part of it is provided for free, isn't it, by their host or, or domain name provider. What's the advantage of outsourcing DNS to a company such as Dyne? It comes down to 
scale and specialization. So I used to work in the hosting industry, so I know what it's like there. And, and typically, DNS, when you get it from for free maybe from the people you've registered your domain with or your hosting company, really not their core focus. So it's something they feel they have to provide because their customers expect them to provide it, but it's not something they really look to focus on. And and what that can mean is that it then doesn't get the level of focus or maybe investment from those companies. Uh, and that can lead to problems. So when something's uh, something you don't really want to do, but you know you've got to do it, you're not really going to put as much time and effort into providing that as if it was your core business. So, so when you're looking for a managed DNS provider, providing DNS is their core business. So you'd expect them to do a better job than someone who's doing it as an add-on. When people are doing it as like a free service and it's maybe not getting the investment or the focus that it deserves, that sometimes leads to failures. So the servers that are providing that service may not get the level of investment or attention that maybe they deserve, Mm. and that can lead to failures. And failures at the DNS level are are fairly common, unfortunately, and they can cause big problems because if someone is trying to get to your website and your browser can't get the address for that website, they can't get to your website. So that can mean damage to brand reputation. That mm. can mean lost revenue if you're an e-commerce store, or it could just mean you know bad customer experience, which nowadays you know is is so key to, to online businesses. Yeah, I'd like to talk about. Um, well, there's a few things I'd like to talk about. Well, one of the first things is latency. Like, and I know that this can have. We'll talk about stats in a minute. I know that it can have a big effect on sort of conversion rates and all sorts of things. But how do you define latency? What, what's the definition of latency? Okay, so latency, uh, as we see it as a managed DNS provider, is how quickly we can answer the question, where is Dine.com? Or where is whatever website you're trying to get to? So the quicker we can answer that question and hand back the, the address to you, the faster you can get to that website. So that's the part of this that we can influence. So customers are saying now that, slow is the new down so if we don't hand back that that ip address as fast as possible um customers will spend less money they'll spend less time on your site and they'll be less engaged so so when we talk about latency that's what we're focusing on how quickly Mm. we can give you that answer back yes and of course it also depends on how quick the website is as well once the answer's got to the browser isn't it absolutely yeah the the latency that we're talking about here is one small part of a longer chain yeah. with you know, the user journey from clicking on your your listing in Google or or clicking a link in an email. This is one small part of that chain, but it's it's the very first part. Yeah. So it's it's a part that's you know fairly easy to optimize and make nice and fast, um, but it's often the part that gets ignored. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So yeah. And tell us about the, the statistics around the effect of latency on conversion, Mark. Okay. So if You've got a fairly standard website. Um, if you're using then basic DNS, maybe free DNS, that could actually lead to a approximately nine percent increase in the DNS query time. Mm. So that can make that first part of that user journey you know, pretty slow. And when you've got a complicated website, that can jump up to over twenty percent. So using standard DNS, you know, can have an impact on 
on, on that, the, the amount of conversions you get because everyone knows the faster the website is, the more likely it is it's, it's going to work. From a, you know, the point of view of how this impacts conversions, I, I, you know, I, I heard Felice talking uh, a few weeks about, uh, back about on this very podcast about car abandonment. And she made the point that brands would often focus on driving lots of traffic to their sites before they'd focused on optimizing the cart process within the website to make sure that that traffic converted. And this is the same, the same point, really, in that before brands start focusing on driving lots and lots of traffic to their website, let's focus on making sure that when someone clicks your link, they get your website as fast as they possibly can because that in itself will increase the number of conversions. So I read um, an interesting statistic. I think it was on the Tagman website, and uh, they said that given the website's average ticket size of, you know, for example, $75 to split from the air and a conversion rate of 5%, if they get 400,000 visits a month and it takes their pages an extra second to load, then there would be a loss of $1.3 million in revenue per year. Yeah, absolutely. If do those staggering, maths, isn't it? Do those maths backs, uh, and yeah, absolutely, you get to big numbers. There's a there's a stat from Amazon.com where if if they slow down their site by one second, mm. that loses them two thousand dollars in revenue. So for every one second they slow their site down, they lose a staggering amount of money. So mm. if you're doing business online, this is somewhere where you have an opportunity to, to optimize. Managed DNS, the uptake of managed DNS outside of North America is is reasonably low. So this may be an opportunity for you to improve the performance on your site and maybe gain an advantage over your peers. Mm. Let's talk about security. I know over the last you know few years, there's been there have been a few interesting uh, cases of uh, DDoS attacks, din- uh, distributed denial of service attacks. What difference can outsourced DNS have on these? Yeah, absolutely. They're becoming, unfortunately, more and more common. Uh, there was a 53% increase in, in distributed denial of service attacks last year. And essentially, what they are is someone trying to prevent a service on the internet from working. So the bad guys out there will send traffic from all over the world to try and prevent the internet from from working properly and what that means is again brand image is affected potentially you could lose revenue and and customers lose confidence in you because your your website isn't isn't online so you know they typically happen for the the classic three reasons of money politics or religion typically it's it comes down to money um the 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 impact of, of ddos is that your website, your service won't be available. So the best thing you can do to protect yourself is make sure that you're using uh, a provider that has the the scale and and, and speciality and know-how to be able to mitigate the effects of of an attack. So, for example, if you're you're using uh, DNS uh, servers from a free provider, do you know who else is on that DNS network? There are some sites that are more... Uh, prone and and uh, sort of uh, uh, more easy to attack than others. So, for example, gambling and uh, and betting websites are very often targets for for people who will launch DDoS attacks mm. in order to extort money from those companies. So, do you know if there are any gambling websites on the DNS servers that you're using? Because if they're to get attacked, 
because of that end user, you're going to be affected for that. So, you know, you want to try and make sure that you're on a network that's clean, that doesn't have those type of clients, that the, the network you're using, so the DNS services that you're using are robust and they're, they're built properly to be able to withstand the traffic that could come in the event of an attack, mm. and that you have a plan in place uh, to, to be able to, to react should this, this type of problem happen. And often those aren't, those aren't focuses of, of especially small to medium businesses that now rely on their online presence, being online all the time, but maybe haven't um, had uh, some of the foresight or the guidance to be able to, to, to make the choice of where they provide their DNS services. They've just used what they've always used. Mm. Let's talk about email deliverability, because I know that DNS has an impact on that as well, isn't it, Mark? Tell us how that works. Yeah, at a very basic level, the, the DNS records for your domain control you know, the delivery of your email to your email servers. So within the DNS records for, for Dime.com, that will say if someone sends an email to Dime.com, here is the address of the email servers that will handle that. Um, that's really for, for internal mail. The other way that we especially work with clients is that we focus on on the deliverability of email for marketers. So mm. people will send email out across our network rather than out through their own network. And then we can focus on improving the reputation that goes along with that. So, you know, often um, we'll work with marketers to improve the number of emails that are actually getting to inboxes. Mm. On average, inbox delivery, actual getting to the inbox is only 78%. Now, when customers start using our services and, and we work with them to improve their reputation and to make sure that emails being sent following the best practices of the inbox providers, we, we see that go up by 15%. Mm. Now, you know, often people will take a lot of time and energy to optimize email marketing, you know, just to, just to gain maybe one or 2% in conversions. And then you think, well, what, what increase could 15% of those emails actually get into people's inboxes have on revenue? And again, that can be, that can be a significant number. So mm. for businesses f- that are focused on uh, email marketing, where that's driving significant amounts of, of money onto the bottom line, working on that, that email reputation management, and it, it should be a key focus. Now, this is purely by putting it through your network, isn't, isn't it, Mark? Um, so presumably when the email arrives you know at the at the other end um it's going to reduce the sort of problem of oh this came from a a dodgy ip range or something that's been known to be spamming is that basically the way it works yeah absolutely so we we send out vast quantities of email and we have uh personal relationships with the the inbox providers like yahoo gmail and hotmail so we work with them so we we typically have a um an a, a, a agreement and arrangement with our clients where we'll support them and make sure that they're sending email that fits the best practices that those those inbox providers give us mm. uh, and because we're we're sending email out from ip addresses that are known to be trusted and known to not be used by spammers mm. the the email then gets delivered at a higher rate to inboxes um, there are many things that influence whether email will actually get to an inbox. It could be the speed or the the, the the rate at which email is sent. It can be the content. It can be subject line. It can be any number of things. Um, 
the key thing that we focus on is we only send email for people that are legitimate senders of email. So we're very fussy about who we'll send email for. Mm. So if you're sending email and it is spam, we'll just simply take you away from our platform. And that because it influences all the other customers that are using our platform as well. So um, we'll work very closely with clients to make sure that one, they're, they're meeting our guidelines and, and two, that they're seeing improvements over what they were seeing before. Now, I know recently Dyn has um, acquired Renesis, haven't they? Uh, Renesis, of course, they provide sort of global information on internet traffic trends. Can you comment on any general trends that you've seen? I don't have too much information yet on on general internet trends, the integration between our companies is is still pretty early days. Mm. It's a very recent acquisition for us. What I can tell you about Renesis is that uh, five of the Alexa top 10, so these are the biggest 10 websites in the world, five of them already use Renesis' uh, services. Uh, they're the authority, basically, on internet intelligence. Mm. So, so what they provide to us is is just information and data. So where that's going to take us and where what it's going to allow us to do for our customers is uh, just be able to make better decisions. So if your brand is is focused on, on online customer experience, we can then help you make real-time decisions on how to direct your traffic. So if I give you a hypothetical example, so you're, you're a user sat in Paris, at your laptop in a cafe and you decide you want to browse to a website and that website has servers in London and in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Now, based on the information and the data that we're getting from, from Renesis about how the internet between those locations is performing and how traffic is routing, we can then make a real-time decision on how we route the traffic and to which site will route your request to make sure that when you get there, you get the fastest possible response. Mm. So it's that level of information that is, it's a, it's a game changer for us because we've been able to make those decisions. Sorry, customers have been able to set those decisions up, but never based on real-time data before. So that's really going to change the way that we can, we can offer service and the level of intelligence that we can give the clients so they can make better decisions. It reminds me of those... Um... Uh, it reminds me of a satellite uh, traffic positioning system, actually, where you can see where the hotspots are with the traffic jams and things. I'm visualizing a similar sort of map for the entire internet in my head. It is very much like that. It is very much like that. They have a Renesis have a sensor network that's out there in the world that's unmatched. No one else can can rival the number of sensors that they have. And what that means is, if you're looking to expand in a particular area, or, or for example, if you take the SatNav example, you want to get to a particular area, we can tell you the quickest route to get there over which ISPs networks to reduce the amount of time it takes. So it's just finding the fastest route from A to B we can now make those decisions real time. So almost like a traffic update yeah. uh, on a sat-nav rather than a, a static map. Just finally, Mark, can you tell us uh, some useful tools? We've got a lot of people that listen to the podcast who are running small businesses. Some of them are one-man bands. Some of them are slightly larger businesses. Are there some useful DNS-related tools out there that people should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So there's some tools and there's, there's a golden rule as well. So my golden rule about DNS is that free dns is often worth what you pay for it mm. um so if your service being online is important to you or you're making money based on having a service online on the internet you should 
probably look at using a specialist to provide the DNS layer because not doing so is is leaving yourself open to problems. So, mm. um, so first of all, yeah, find out who's providing your DNS right now because many people aren't aware. Um, so to do that, you can do many things. You can there's a website called whois.net. So that's w h o i s dot net. Yeah. You can put your domain in there and that'll tell you all the details about your domain. So it'll tell you who's providing DNS and how it's currently set up. So that's that's the first thing you can do. If you're concerned about your DNS not being the fastest as it could be, what you can do to get more information is you can use a site called webpagetest.org. Uh, webpagetest.org is a is a very comprehensive site and it's free that will allow you to again put your your domain in and it'll then tell you how long it's taking for a domain query via dns to to come back so that'll give you some information to then be armed and make decisions about whether this is something you should be looking at and the third tool is there's a there's a speed checker there's a free speed checker on the dine.com website that would allow you to go on there and find out you know how fast your dns responses are happening now and, and how quick they maybe could be if you were using a managed provider like dine so there, there's lots of ways you can get around this brilliant that's really useful it's very interesting how dns can have an impact on sort of you know websites and um, conversion rates how can people get hold of you mark how can people find dine so we're online at uh, dine.com which is spelled d-y-n.com and uh, my email address is mlewis at dine.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter where I'm Mr. Mark Lewis. Mark Lewis of dine.com. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Eddie. So thanks for listening, everybody. You can find us at sitevisibility.com slash podcast if you want to look at the show notes. You can also find us on iTunes, and we like reviews, so please send reviews and ratings. And if you want to email us, it's podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. But we have a phone line where you can phone in questions or suggestions. Plus four four one two seven three two five six one five. So it's goodbye for me, Andy White, and it's goodbye from... Mark Lewis. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. What's new in podcasting? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being completely straight mm-hmm. and 10 being completely gay, what number are you? Um, you know, I don't think that you should rank how gay they are. I guess, I, you know, that's just a little of a red, just a flag for me. Come on, come out a weekly podcast where real lesbians tell their real coming out stories. You can find Come On, Come Out on your favourite podcatcher out now. Go listen. ACAST, A-cast, A-cast, A-cast recommends. recommends.